0: Hello and welcome back to our devotion on the Psalms. Today I want to talk about Psalm 44. Psalm 44 is about a topic that I'm sure all of us have experienced, but very few of us want to talk about. It is disappointment with God. As I read this passage, I can almost imagine a young child, tear-stained face, looking up to the Father and saying, Father, you failed me this time. I put all my trust in you. I thought that you would. I believed that you would deliver. But you failed me. Why, Father? Why? Why did you you fail me? I am disappointed. And yet, this is a psalm that is so true to our lives. I'd like then to read it and have some thoughts about it. Let's turn now to Psalm 44 let us pray. Father, we thank you that you are God who hears us, even heart-wrenching cries of disappointment with you, because you are a patient God. You listen to us when we cry. So God, as we read this passage, speak to us to assure us that it is indeed important and it is okay all right to cry to you and to express our disappointment with you when the things that when the times we trusted you you have not given us what we've asked for speak your truths to us we pray in Jesus name Amen Psalm 44 O oh God we have heard with our ears our fathers have told us the work that you did in their days in the days of old you with your own hand drove out the nations, then you planted them, you afflicted the peoples, then you spread them abroad. For by their own sword they did not possess the land, and their own arm did not save them, but your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence, for you favoured them. You are my king, O God, command victories for Jacob. Through you we will push back our adversaries, through your name we will trample down those who rise up against us for I will not trust in my bow, nor will my sword save me. But you have saved us from our adversaries, and you have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Yet you have rejected us and brought us to dishonor. You do not go out with our armies. You cause us to turn back from the adversary, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You have given us a sheep to be eaten, and have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people cheaply and have not profited by their sale. You make us a reproach to our neighbours, a scoffing and derision to those around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a laughingstock among the peoples. All day long my dishonour is before me, and my humiliation has overwhelmed me, because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the presence of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you and we have not dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back and our steps have not deviated from your way. Yet you have crushed us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God extended our hands to a strange God, would not God find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. But for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. Arouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul has sunk down into the dust. Our body cleaves to the earth. Rise up. Be our help. Redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In this psalm, I'd like to summarise it, paragraph at a time, First, verse 1 to verse 3, talks about how the psalmist had heard of all the great things that God had done in the past. Perhaps it had been written in earlier books, perhaps he had heard it had been passed from, year, from generation to generation. But what he knew and he had heard with his ears was that God was a powerful God, that the people did not fight for their own land, they did not fight for their own victories. They simply turned to God because only God with his powerful right hand and his presence could deliver them. There were so many great and inspiring stories of how God intervened and though they were weak, God showed his power. And then from verse 4 to verse 8, the psalmist talks about his faith in God as well, that he would, he would trust God completely. In verse 8, it says, In God we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever. But he also says that he has experienced the goodness of God. In verse 7, he says, But you have saved us from our adversaries, and you have put to shame those who hate us. So as the psalmist looks back at the past, he remembers how God had been faithful. He remembers the miracles that he had seen. But then, in verse 9 to verse 12, He, the psalmist, laments to God. But God, this time, this time you have failed us. We heard about your greatness in the past. We experienced your power and your goodness just recently. But now when you face this crisis, God, you have failed us. You have rejected us. Verse 9, you have rejected us and brought us to dishonor. You cause us to turn back from the adversary, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You have given us, you give us as a sheep to be eaten, and you have scattered us among the nations. It was as though, right now, everything that the psalmist had hoped for failed. And what was worse then is that people who looked on, looked on at the faith, the steadfast faith of the psalmist and his people, would laugh at them. They would say, You are, you're just so idealistic. Why are you, why are you trying so hard? Where is your God? Your God has failed you. Such is your faith. This is unrealistic faith, they would have said. And from verse 13 to verse 16, he says, You have made us, you make us a reproach to our neighbors, a scoffing and derision to those around. People laugh at us because God, you have failed us. And yet, the psalmist says from verse 17 to 19, they have remained steadfast. All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you. We have not dealt falsely with your covenant. We have Our steps have not deviated from your way. Despite all the hardship, the psalmist still looks to God. But for what? Was it in vain? Verse 20, he, he cries out to God, verse 20 to 22, he cries out, if we had forgotten the name of our God, would you not know? Surely we have been faithful. In fact, we are for your sake, we are killed all day long. We have martyred ourselves. We have made all the sacrifices. We have stood up for our faith. But God, what have you done? We have been steadfast in our faith. We have trusted you with everything. And then God you have failed us. Why do you hide your face and forget of affliction and oppression? For our soul has sunk down into the dust. Our body cleaves to the earth. Here was a very painful plaintive lament by the psalmist. God, we did everything. We tried our hardest. We stood by you even at the cost of our lives. But God, what have you done? Have you delivered us? And then the final verse, he cries out, Rise up, be our help, and redeem us for the sake of your loving kindness. God, I still trust you. God, please come for the sake of your love for us. You know, this psalm is so true to life for all of us. And yet it's a psalm that few of us want to admit. It is a It is a situation a few of us would want to admit happens to us and happens all the time. It could be a time of sickness. We heard of all the miracles that Jesus did as he came on earth and he healed and he healed and he healed. Even in our own sicknesses, in our own lives, we were sick once and twice. Some of us are survivors of various serious illnesses and God delivered and yet and yet at this time, God is not delivering. And as much as we remain faithful to him, as much as we refuse to curse him to find other gods, as much as we stand up to him, though others laugh at us for our faith, where is God when it hurts? One of the toughest things is when we serve God in our work, when we've prayed that God would send us to be witnesses for him and be given a a company, a place to work in. And then trouble hits us. We are persecuted. Our business fails. We stand by our principles and we say, In God will I trust. And yet the more we trust God, the more our business, our work fails. People around laugh at us. They make fun of us. We are like martyrs, standing up for God, And being called impractical and we hang on. I remember a missionary who had served God in a third world country, in a very poor country all his life. When he came back to his homeland, instead of receiving a rousing welcome, no one turned up to welcome him. His church knew that he was coming back after years of service but no one bothered to come back to him. He came home with no savings No money, just a loan. How bitter can this feel? Having given entire life to God, there was no money left for him at his retirement, no one to remember him when his work was done. How do we live? How do we respond to situations like this? Many of you may also experience this about the promises of God about the abundant life. The Bible tells us that God came that we may have life and that we may have it abundantly, that those who trust in him, out from within them will flow rivers of living water. And yet for many of us, life is not a flowing of rivers of living water. Life is a lot of pain. Many of us started families, started our marriage and our lives together, excited that we would serve God together. But years later, we see our families falling apart, our children becoming delinquent, our spouses becoming strangers to us. And there is a cry, a silent cry within us. We dare not say it out. We dare not say to God, God, where are you? Have you failed us? Have you deserted us? We limp along. I think the church often is afraid, is terrified of addressing the issue of disappointment with God. We keep trying to push promises. I remember one man who came to prison and said, Well, God wants us to rejoice in the Lord, so I want all of you to smile. No papaya faces, because if you look sad, then God doesn't love you and you don't love God. As I listened to that, I thought, what rubbish is this man teaching? He is not facing up to the realities of the pain of life. Many of us carry lots of pain, lots of disappointment with God. What do we do with that? So often then, we just slink off and forget about it or just suppress all of this. We go on to live our lives, we come to church half alive, half dead, trying to praise God, but not really with a fullness each time we speak about the goodness of God. We feel an emptiness, a dullness within us, a jadedness, I may say. And then someone encourages us and tells us, come on, rejoice in the Lord, you've got to rejoice in the Lord. We find it so hard because there's so many failures in our lives, so much disappointment within us. Let's learn from this psalmist. The psalmist was honest with God. He told God, look, these are your promises. And often we need to talk to God and say, God, you promised me these things. You promised that I would have life abundant. You promised that deep within me will flow rivers of living water. And God, I even experienced that before I had a revival before this but right now, God, I'm just feeling down in the dumps. Right now, there's no joy. Right now, there's so much pain, there's so much disappointment in many parts of my life. Be like the psalmist and talk to God. Challenge God with His word. Tell God what you are going through. Do not shrink from it. You know, I used to work with this faith healer who believed that every person, whether cancer or stroke, would be healed by God. But of course, most were not. I used to confront him then and say, how can you continue preaching that message? He says, well, just push it aside and I move on. Pushing it aside and moving on isn't the answer. But neither is it an answer to then say God no longer heals. And that's the dilemma. When we pray for someone who is very ill, is there hope for healing? Do we talk about the goodness of God? Do we then say, well, let's prepare for death? As a pastor, as a Christian, I find that balance very difficult to juggle. And yet, as I seek the Lord, I realise that one of the most important things that we need to do is to lament to God, and to tell God our disappointment, our disillusionment with Him. God is never scared of our disillusionment. It is important that we wrestle with God about these things. Wrestle with God about the state of our families, about the persecution you're going through, about the the loss of your business, of your illness. Wrestle with God and tell Him, God, where are you? You promised, I saw it in other lives. I saw it in my life, where are you now? It is in this honesty that God comes to us, often as we rush through life, one after the other, not stopping even to think about these things, that that we miss out on the real presence of God. It is when we pause and we face the reality of the hardness and the pain of our lives, and then we say to God, God, please come, speak to me, minister, minister, to me or to my brother. You know, as we become more and more honest with God, honest with our feelings, honest with our disappointment with Him, we become a community that believes in a God who is faithful even when we do not see. But we cannot have just simple platitudes of covering over our disappointment. We must first face our disappointment before God will come to minister. And that's one weakness that we have in our church. We hardly ever talk about sadness and disappointment. All our hymns are about upbeat songs, about God is good all the time. And that's why I turn often to secular songs. because secular songs are braver. They face the disappointments of life more squarely, the hardness of life. We need both. We need to face the disappointments in life and then turn to God with tear-stained faces and say to God, God, please come because everything is falling apart. When we begin to acknowledge and to face the realities of these things, then we can help others as well. So often we shun from helping another person, a person who's ranting at God, who's saying life is horrible. God is a disappointment. Where is God? And we shrink away. Sometimes we stop visiting that friend who gets bitter with God. Sometimes we visit and we throw platitude after platitude after platitude, trust in God. Perhaps it's because we're afraid, afraid of facing it ourselves, facing the truth that God may be disappointing. But if we were to face that truth and know what it means to cry before God and have God comfort us eventually. That will give us courage to sit with another person who's walking through the valley of the shadow of death, walking through the destruction of his business or the loss of a family. And then, instead of giving platitudes, we cry with the person. I remember something that happened about four years ago, I was having a very difficult discussion with a powerful church leader who refused to budge. And of course, I knew I was, I felt I was right and I refused to budge. And then this person said to me, Pastor, for you, I will relent and I will give in. Because 20 years ago, and I had forgotten all of this, when you were a rookie pastor, my business had failed And I was shocked when you fell on your knees next to me and you cried together with me. That made all the difference in my life. I never knew, I never couldn't remember that one, but I never knew how powerful just crying in sharing the disillusionment with another person, sharing the disappointment and the pain with another person was more powerful than giving answers to him. He told me, Pastor, you never gave me any answers, but when you cried with me, I knew I was not alone. It's something that our church can learn, that instead of having pat answers for all the disappointments in life, we could just acknowledge the pain and then weep with those who weep. That one day we may rejoice with those who rejoice. Let us pray. Father, teach us to come to you in our times of disillusionment, our times of disappointment with you, teach us, Lord, not to run from them but to face each of these issues where you did not seem to have kept your promises, where our illnesses were not healed, where our marriages were not restored, where our children continue to be wayward, where our hearts I try. Father, help us to come to you in these moments and to cry out and to lament to you to tell us, Lord, we are disappointed because in the past we heard of how powerful you are. Even in our lives, we experience your goodness. But Lord, now, why, Lord, why? Come for the sake of your loving kindness. Teach us then, Lord, to open our hearts honestly with you and then honestly with one another too about our disappointment with you. And Father, for those of us who hear the disappointment of others, teach us not to shrink from them, to panic, to run, to give easy answers, to, sh- to drive them out with platitudes. Teach us, Lord, to weep with those who weep, that together we may reap fruits of your blessing that will eventually come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, have a good and blessed week. God bless you and goodbye.